you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now in FAST, a brutal 2022 mercifully coming to a close. The titans of tech, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, Meta, and Tesla losing $4.5 trillion in market cap. Ouch. Can a new year bring new life to tech and the rest of the market? Plus, the ultimate end-of-the-year edition of Would You Rather? Who wins the battle of the metaverse versus the king of e-commerce? Two old warhorses of tech face off. And can a drug maker slay the biggest bank on the street? And later, we'll take the wraps off our chart of the year. This mega cap had a rotten 2022. That's a clue. Funny thing is that its lousy performance is downright fabulous compared to some of its peers. The name and the prediction for the next year coming up. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq Market Site on the desk tonight. Jeff Mills, actually here on the desk. Guy Dami and Steve Grasso. And we start by bidding adieu to 2022 with a big good riddance. Major averages all officially closing out the year with their worst losses since the financial crisis. The Nasdaq down for four straight quarters for the first time since the dot-com bust. The S&P dropping nearly 20% for its fourth worst performance since the Second World War. The Dow a relative outperformer this year, but still shedding almost 9%. But could there be relief in sight? History shows that the S&P post gains more than 80% of the time in the year after a drop, and the average return that year is 14.2%. So are we in for another rebound in the new year? I will kick things off with Jeff, because he is the only trader who made it in to the NASDAQ to sit with me tonight, Jeff. Very happy to be here, <laughs> ringing in the new year at the NASDAQ. Listen, I'm a stat guy. I always throw stats out. I, I love that, especially history. But I think in this case, you throw stats completely out the window. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted that, you know, regardless of, of what you think about next year and the, and the history, you are unwinding sort of unthinkable monetary stimulus, right. fiscal stimulus. We've never seen this before. It's extremely unusual. We talked about it last night, the unwind of $18 trillion in negative yielding debt all the way down to zero. If you could put up a multi-year chart of the two-year, I mean, it's unbelievable the move that we've seen in rates. And I think we have this chart made, but this has really been my North Star, and it really is for the next 12 months. It's the move in interest rates and the correlation to earnings. Earnings still need to come down, and that's going to be a headwind to the market. If we look at this chart, you can see that downward move. That's actually inverted, so it shows the upward rise in the tenure over the last two years. That is going to drag positive earnings revisions down as we move through 2023. That's why I don't believe we're going to see a boom next year, even though a down percent 20 year, uh, 20 percent year, you might think that we should. So entire businesses, entire industries have been built on zero percent interest rates, Grasso. So maybe Jeff is right. Maybe it's different this time around. And I know we all hate that, but maybe it is. Yeah, I don't think you can ever say that. So I'm, I'm with Jeff. I think, you know, when you look at stats, I think I think this time could be different. But I, I agree with what he said uh, and when he finished up. You need to see earnings estimates come down. We haven't seen that yet. So there is a disconnect. But I, I, the other pushback is that's become so consensus right now. What happens if the market is shocked to the upside if when earnings start to report, they're not nearly as bad as this earnings recession that the sell side is calling for? 
So then you could see the Fed getting closer to the end, earnings recession, really a little meh. And then you see the market kind of, you know, rally from there. I think in either scenario, the market's going to rally towards the back end anyway. Do we get a sell off the first quarter? Does that lead into the second quarter or do they do an all lay for, for the uh, for the bears? You know, it's funny because Grasso just said that he thinks that the idea that earnings estimates have to come down is so consensus at this point, And yet the overall forecast that he arrives at is, in fact, consensus that the first half of the year is going to be difficult and probably down. Right. And the back half of the year, there's going to be a rally. So that's consensus. <laughs> Guy, where do you stand? So what's that saying? Great minds think alike. So Steve is in that category, clearly. I'm, I'm sort of in the Mills camp, and clearly Jeff has been working out because he looks buff as hell, man. He looks good. But I'll say this. You know, the bull, the bull case seems to be predicated on a couple things that were so far down from the all-time high we made effectively this time last year, number one. And number two, somehow the Fed's going to magically come in and bail us out. And, and I don't think the second one's going to happen. And in terms of the first one, I don't think you can really build a case on the back of that because it really doesn't matter where things were. It just matters where things are going. And, you know, my, if you look at what's going on, Mike Wilson took his numbers down, potentially $180 in S&P earnings. Again, even if you put just a market multiple on that, it's still significantly lower than we are now. And I think almost by definition, the market has to take another leg lower to flush a lot of this excess out of the system. And oh, by the way, which is my verbal crutch, uh, the Fed is still trying to unwind a balance sheet that got almost to $10 trillion, which was ridiculous. So maybe it's worth thinking about the other part of the stat, sort of the, the flip side to what we were saying earlier. We were saying that two years, a two-year down year, you know, in terms of two straight years of declines, very rare. But in the four times that it's happened since 1928, what happened the second year? The declines were even worse than that first year, Jeff. <laughs> Right. And I think that's why you can't trust averages. They can be deceiving sometimes. And I think the Fed is a big part of this. I think the market is forecasting rate cuts in the second half of the year. And we have this weird recency bias, I think, where all of a sudden people think that central banks can come in, save the day. We've seen a lot of these V-shaped recoveries because of that. This time they are in a complete box. They're not going to be able to do that. They're going to keep rates higher for longer. The market has not internalized that. And I understand what Steve is saying. But at the same time, if you look at forecasts for earnings out next year, these high, these high interest rates are going to work their way through the economy, through earnings. And at the same time, earnings are still forecast to be 5% growth or something like that in 2023. Right. If we enter anything that even looks like a recession, all of a sudden you get, what, 10% earnings decline? That would be somewhat mild. So I still think the market needs to factor that in as we move through the next couple of quarters. I mean, we have had a notable drift higher on the 10-year yield just in the past three weeks or so, from 3.4 and change to where we are now, which is almost 3.9. We have Japan raising the upper band of its yield control target, which is the last anchor, the last anchor in the world in terms of holding treasuries down, treasury yields, I should say, Guy. Um, and then we have that wild card of China. I mean, it's interesting to me that China, the world's second largest economy opens up and forecasts don't change at all yet. So the, that's a wild card in terms of how does that impact earnings estimates? And, and aren't we just another yeah. wave or lockdown away from a threat to earnings, at least for uh, this first calendar quarter? I believe that to be the case. And again, you know, I'd love to be extraordinarily optimistic going into this year. I just it's hard to make the bull case right now. And what you just laid out is exactly right. 
I mean, there's a real chance that if China, let's just say it were to reopen, I think the knee jerk obviously would be higher in the market until people figure out that, wait a second, that's just going to add to the inflation problem that this Federal Reserve is rightly trying to combat. That's going to make their difficult job that much more difficult. In terms of what you mentioned with the Bank of Japan, you think about it, they intervened in their currency a few months ago, first time in a long time because their currency was getting throttled. This last move they made in the bond market was to do exactly that, intervene in their currency once again. And now you start thinking about all these central banks pushing buttons left and right. To me, that leads to one place, probably precious metals, but it also leads to continued volatility in the bond market, which will make its way into the equity market. Yeah. So, Grasso, in terms of just like looking at that first half of the year where you think it could be kind of choppy, what do you, I mean, where do you hide out? And I hate using that term, but it really does sound like, you know, to some degree, you're hiding out a little bit, waiting for better, better times ahead. Yeah. So, so I think if, if things get better, people are going to rush into the old names that buoy this market. So you have to stay, stay a little bit clear, still go to value investing. And then you're going to have to unfortunately rush right back into all the technology names that were hammered so aggressively. All right. Um, the market carnage of 2022 gave us a lot of stocks that could be potential buys for the new year. So that gives us fodder for what could be the ultimate round of Would You Rather. All right. So first up, Meta versus Amazon. Hmm. Jeff, what do you say? So I tried to play Would You Rather last night, and we weren't even playing it, so I'm glad we're playing it tonight. You, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think you said I pulled a Grosso. Um, but this was actually a tough one for me. You know, I, I, I wanted to, to choose Meta just because of the valuation, right. the business that I think it is. I think there's a lot there. So if you have a three-year time horizon, I think it's very interesting. The issue I have is that in a risk-off market, which I think next year is going to be, you're still going to have people question the investment strategy around the metaverse. Uh, and at the same time, I think the reliance on advertising and the cycle that we're in relative to that is going to be a challenge. With Amazon, I think the market's got sort of the profitability issues this year a little bit wrong. I think it's short term. And over the next year or so, you're probably going to see gross margin expansion as that revenue mix shifts away from the traditional merchandising business over to more services, AWS, Prime, et cetera. I almost think about it more like an Apple story Mm -hmm. where they're moving from hardware to services. Uh, And the price to sales ratio, which I think is the right way to look at the valuation, is right back to where it was in the mid 2000s. So I think you can buy it here. Um, I know grass is on the other side of this. Yeah, so so uh, Jeff laid it out pretty well, and both of them are, are at or below the pandemic lows. So the meta is the, as we talked about the other night, so bad it's good camp for me. We are getting some more clarity about the metaverse. I don't know what this company is going to look like. I don't know if this company is going to break into two, three, or whatever it's going to be. But I think it's going to be more value add going forward than it was this year. It was so hammered, and the the consumer is probably going to be under pressure more so on the Amazon side versus on the Meta side. So for those those reasons, I'm more optimistic on Metaverse going forward. This was one of those so bad. It's it's what with Carter Braxton Worth Meta. So, so bad it's good. So yeah. bad it's bad, he oh, said. So and he said so bad so it's, it's bad for bad. Amazon, too. I mean, he said it for both. He laughed, actually. He actually, you could hear him laugh at both of those stocks, Guy. So would you yeah, rather? Because he, he called in. I mean, it was a snicker. It was unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> extraordinarily derogatory. Like a knife. I would rather, 
Amazon, nice song by you, a little Brian Adams. Amazon, and listen, if Steve can't explain what Meta is, think about the problems they're having at Meta themselves. They don't know what they are, quite frankly. I mean, if you can't explain what the metaverse is and you're trying to create one, how are people supposed to understand it? That's the problem they have. Oh, by the way, which is my other verbal crutch, stock has rallied 30% from those lows we saw a few months ago. So Amazon at these levels, I think I would much rather Amazon. All right, um, and here's the next matchup. J.P. Morgan versus Eli Lilly. Jeff, what do you say? So this is cyclical versus non-cyclical for me. But at the same time, I think it's sort of interesting. It's also cheap versus expensive. So Lilly wins because it's non-cyclical. But J.P. Morgan, maybe you say it wins because it's cheaper. I just think the valuation is maybe a little bit more expensive than it looks like on the surface because earnings come down next year. But I still want to be in the camp of healthcare, where earnings, at least in our opinion, are expected to grow next year relative to a lot of other sectors. So good chart, bad market, earnings next year. Uh, I like Lilly. Grasso. Best bank ever created, J.P. Morgan, strongest bank from a, that emerged from the financial crisis. I think the banks have been underestimated. I, I underestimated them for a long time. I, I stated the other night, Mike Mayo said these banks are more recession ready than they've ever been before. Eli Lilly is too binary for me. Either it makes it or it doesn't. I think J.P. Morgan succeeds going forward. Um. By the way, which is not my verbal crutch, uh, Grasso played very nicely tonight, so kudos to him. Uh, Guy, what do you say? (laughs) If it was J.P. Morgan versus Eli Apple, I'd take J.P. Morgan. Unfortunately, it's not, so it's Eli Lilly. And we've talked about Lilly for years here. It's probably, you know, along with Merck, it's the best big cap pharma name out there. Lower left, upper right for a long time. Valuation has been a concern for five years. It seems to look past that. J.P. Morgan, obviously a great bank. I would submit probably still has to come down in terms of metrics, specifically price to book. So Eli Lilly in this game, Melms. All right, coming up. Should you spin the wheel on casino stocks? Find out if there's any luck left in that sector. Jackpot trades next. Plus, we're ringing in the chart of the year. Any guesses on what it might be? Take a look. Stick around to find out what it is. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. Casino stocks delivering mixed results to investors this year. Las Vegas Sands a big winner, while Wynn Resorts, MGM, and Caesars struggled. The moves as gaming got hit with drastic and unpredictable COVID restrictions in China. So what's in store for 2023? Our Contessa Brewer has the playbook. Contessa. Hi there, Melissa. Casino companies are getting ready for a new year with a lot of changes. First, in the world's gambling capital, Macau, borders have reopened. Concessions have been renewed. Billions in new investment have been promised. All this should be fuel for the mother of all pandemic rebounds. But the COVID surge across China, of course, is reigning in expectations for an immediate boost in tourism. So patience will still be a virtue for Las Vegas Sands, Wynn, Melco, and MGM Resorts. Secondly, what recession? Casino companies across the United States keep doing a booming business in spite of inflation that seems to affect other areas of consumer spending. Boyd, Bally's, Penn, and Red Rock Resorts are watching closely their regional and local casinos to see if there's cracks in the business. Third, Las Vegas on steroids. This already was a record-setting year for profits on the Strip, and 2023 could propel Sin City to new highs, a packed convention calendar, entertainment, I mean, hello, Adele, and sports, the highlight there is, of course, F1. MGM and Caesars will be the biggest beneficiaries because they're the biggest operators on this trip. Finally, gambling is expanding. Chicago's getting its first casino. New York City licenses will be given out. Texas is very seriously considering legalizing sports gambling. But we're seeing new concerns over problem gambling, and that is presenting new challenges for the likes of FanDuel, owned by Flutter, DraftKings, and BetMGM, the market leaders in sports betting, Melissa. All right. Contessa, thanks, and Happy New Year to you. Contessa Brewer. Happy New Year. Guy, I'll go to you. Um, the W in your dawn yes. trade was win. Maybe the timing wasn't right, but given China's reopening, if it gets through, uh, you know, all this COVID first quarter, first half of the year, maybe it's gangbusters for win. Yeah. The timing was miserable, actually. But Wynn, look at the move Wynn has had since October. It's probably rallied close to 60% from those October lows, coinciding with our friend Lorenzo Fertitta announcing his stake in the company. Quite frankly, he probably adds to it if I had a guess. And it's still, despite the move, on a valuation basis, you can make a pretty compelling argument. The Macau numbers are going to be miserable based on what Contessa just said with COVID. With that said, you see what's going on in Las Vegas. The McCarran Airport numbers have been great. So... I think you can stay with Wynn. I was a year too early, as is typically the case. Uh, but I think this might be the year the stock gets finally to triple digits again. Sports gambling, Jeff? Yeah, it's just, it, 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 look, MGM is better positioned for that. There's no question about it. They're taking share. They're profitable. Th that's all good. But I've gotten this trade very, very wrong because I was saying stick with MGM for that reason, yeah. because of its domestic exposure. So I'll keep this very simple. I'm going to change my mind here just looking at the charts. The price is giving me the answer. Look at when it's trading above the 200-day. The 200-day is rising, and MGM is the exact opposite. So follow the charts. I'm changing my tune. Stick with Win. All right, coming up, grab your 2023 glasses and chill the Dom Perignon as we get ready to close the books on the year. Up next, we'll reveal our charts of the year. Not one, but two of them. And we'll make a couple of New Year's resolutions final trades. You're watching Fast Money. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. And our chart of the year times two, it's a tie. Start with the first one. Apple's relative performance to the S&P 500. Apple hanging on for a big portion of 22. But then it snapped. So can it rebound in the new year? Jeff, what do you say? 
The chart of Apple is so important because it's been our guide the whole year telling us that the bear market is not over. Right. I think that that is still going to be the case. I think you could move all the way down to 100. I think there's some support there. You'd still be trading at 16 times, even if earnings hold up. So continue to watch Apple for the end of this bear market. Grasso, 16 times, down to 100. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, big, big, fat, round numbers. Uh, so it, it, we've, we've been all consistent about this, that the market has not bottomed until they sell the apples of the world. They have, they've sold it, but they haven't ripped into it. So I agree with Jeff. If you think the market's going lower, look for that $100 level on Apple to, to say that the uh, smoke is cleared. Guy. Jeff has been consistent on this all year. Tim as well. Um, we've talked about that 125 level. I think this is a good sign. I think you need Apple. You need Microsoft in these stocks to get taken to the woodshed in order for the broader market to make a bottom. So I don't think we're here, here, there yet, but I think it's really encouraging that we've started to get there. All right. Let's get to our second chart of the year because this is an interesting one. Mortgage rates. My, how they have changed in the course of one year. The 30-year fixed rate soaring 100% this year, sending shockwaves through the housing market. Uh, they hit the highest level since before the financial crisis. So what's this next move for mortgage means for uh, housing, for all the related sort of housing trades? Jeff, what do you think? The reason you want to watch housing is because it's the first to break when interest rates rise and then it's going to be the first to recover when we reach a bottom. It's one of the most important macroeconomic indicators in our book. So look for a bottom in housing to find a bottom in earnings and the stock market. Uh, Guy? I look at it a little bit differently. I still think as long as the bond volatility that we're seeing continues, it's going to be really hard for the broader equity market to put in a bottom. So when this thing finally does stabilize and the market has a handle on what real rates should be, Mm-hmm. That's, again, that coincided with the Apple and those types of things. That's when we can start to talk about tradable bottoms. I mean, we know a, f- a couple things, you know, longer, higher for longer. Uh, we know that the unemployment employment rate has to go higher. We know that the Fed has to break housing. Steve Grasso. It's just starting to break it. So we see mm-hmm. uh, building permits starting to crack, existing uh, home sales starting to crack, pending home sales starting to crack. So you did it in the intro. We went from basically 3% mortgage rates all the way up to 7% with somewhere around 6 and change now, depending on how you look at it. That crack in the housing market is just beginning, and you're going to see that filter through for the balance of 2023. Guy, how about like a Home Depot or a Lowe's? Are those relative, look, relatively safe? I th- we've thought that, and Home Depot had a pretty precipitous sell-off at one mm-hmm. point this year. But, you know, finally it got to levels where you can actually make a case in terms of valuation. I don't think Home Depot is ever going to really hurt you in a meaningful way the way some of these high valuation, high growth names did. But obviously there'll be an environment where it doesn't work, but I still like it right here. All right. It is time now for the final trade. And in the spirit of the new year, let's get some New Year's resolution trades. This is the final, final trade of 2022. Steve Grasso. Well, my New Year's resolution is I want to gain 10 pounds. I'm going to be uh, less of a nice person, and I'm going to stream a lot more. So Netflix. <laughs> You're really setting the bar high for yourself. Uh, Guy Adami. <laughs> uh, you know, New Year's resolutions are, you know, you, I'm sure you know what I think of them. But one thing I, I will like say them. is I'm thankful for everybody at Fast Money, especially the people you don't see behind the cameras. My final trade, Devin Energy, Mel. Ditto. Jeff Mills. 
So I do not want to dumpster dive for growth stocks in 2023. I think there's definitely uh, a, a need for some people to do that, given the moves we've seen lower. Amazon is a stock that is quality growth that I think you can buy here. All right. That does it for Fast Money this year. What an extraordinary year to be on the air here. Don't go anywhere. Our last options action for the year is up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.